Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. I'm your host, Mitch Friedman. Ideas have consequences, and every day you're exposed to ideas that promise human flourishing. Our mission here on the Pinocchio Project is to equip you to examine these everyday ideas so that you can determine for yourself whether or not they deliver on their promises. Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. Uh, this is Mitch Friedman, also known as Captain Buzzkill. Uh, in this cancel culture, uh, I may be the next one canceled because of my remarks over the next few minutes. Uh, I am actually shooting this podcast and my voice may uh, uh, portray or betray uh, the hour of the day. It's uh, just before 7 a.m. on Monday the 13th of February, uh, right after Super Bowl. Some of you may be hung over while I'm shooting this, but, uh, you know, too many chips, too much queso, uh, maybe too much beverage. Uh, you may be a little foggy this morning while I'm shooting this, but hopefully you'll consume the podcast while you're a little more clear headed and have some coffee real quick. And so I have titled this episode Buzzkill. And this is a uh, podcast uh, directed primarily for the benefit of uh, people who call themselves Christ followers. And I want to open with this text from Matthew chapter 16. Uh, Jesus and his uh, posse, his followers, his disciples, who will be his apostles, uh, are traveling through the region of Caesarea Philippi, uh, which is in the northern part of uh, his Jesus's uh, geographic roaming and uh, he stopped and asked his posse his disciples who do people say the son of man is he's referencing himself and they replied some say you are John the Baptist others say Elijah and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets so Jesus is uh, now on his mission to prove his identity and he's teaching and he's encouraging and he's rebuking and he's healing. He's doing all kinds of miracles. And now comes sort of the $64 million question. And it's about his identity. And he asks his posse what people are saying out there in the growing throng of followers as Jesus is getting more and more popular and he'll become less and less popular as he makes his identity plain over time. So uh, they replied, some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? Jesus said, those who are my closest followers, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter, one of his posse known as Peter generally, uh, and the most impulsive of the group, he piped up immediately and said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And so wrapped up in that statement of Jesus' identity, which Jesus affirms that Peter has it correct, wrapped up in this, this identity claim of the, being the Messiah, the son of the living God, is everything that we need to know about who Jesus is. And, and there are always, uh, and there have always been, uh, contradicting ideas that want to strip away or minimize or diminish or dilute Jesus's identity. And the further away we get from Jesus's true identity, 
the less able we are to claim all of his identity for ourselves and all the benefits therein. Uh, so uh, a recent survey uh, of Americans who claim to be uh, uh, Christians, which is 65% of all Americans claim to be Christian, uh, it was revealed that only about 6% of them have what can be understood as a basic understanding of Jesus and his good news and his identity and what his identity means and the tenets that are necessary uh, to understand his identity fully. Only 6% have what I, what's called a biblical worldview understanding of God's grand story in the world, Jesus as the main player, and what that means for his followers. And only 6%, and yet 65% of Americans identify as Jesus' followers. Uh, there's also a fairly a depressing statistic about pastors, people who teach from pulpits in churches all over America. A very paltry percentage of them have a historic biblical worldview uh, referencing who Jesus is, God's grand story, you know, all the essential questions. What does it mean to be human? What's wrong with the world? What can be done to fix it? And where is all this going? Uh, we would call that from a biblical framework, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. So in this podcast uh, called Buzzkill, I'm going to weave together uh, my own thoughts on this He Gets Us campaign that I've been developing over time as I look at these messages. And I encourage you to not just think about the messages that you might be really excited about. Uh, because if you call yourself a Christ follower, uh, you're probably not in the 6% who understand clearly what, a, what it means to know God's grand story, to have a biblical worldview that you operate in, which includes a solid identity and understanding of who Jesus is. Uh, so I'm going to weave my own thoughts in. Uh, but Natasha Crane, I'm going to recommend her book to you. It's called Faithfully Different, and it addresses some of the same things. And she actually, uh, before the Super Bowl came out, she uh, wrote a little uh, piece, uh, if you will, I'm not sure, probably covered in her podcast too, uh, but she pointed out her own struggles with uh, the messaging and the He Gets Us campaign. And for those of you who are excited about uh, the He Gets Us campaign, uh, because the name of Jesus is being declared to the, to the nations, uh, I'm a big fan of the name of Jesus being declared to the nations and the largest uh, platforms and the largest uh, points of exposure, but I'm not a fan of Jesus being misrepresented uh, to the largest number of people on the largest uh, stages and platforms, such as the Super Bowl. Uh, it can actually be, it's not neutral to misrepresent Jesus. It's actually damaging both to the church and to a set of non-believers who are trying to get maybe a handle for the first time or the first time in a long time on who Jesus is. So I'm just going to walk through a few uh, challenges with the He Gets Us campaign. Uh, all, through, all through the four stories about Jesus, uh, Jesus warns against false teaching, people who claim to be representatives of God's truth. Uh, he says you'll know them by their fruit. And my, my encouragement to the church today is, uh, are you able to discern the fruit of false teaching? Uh, 
Or are you ill-equipped because of a lack of discipline and understanding the text, because of a lack of discipline and and reading the biblical text and in, and ruminating on the text and being in community with people who have a solid uh, understanding or ha- a growing solid understanding of the true identity of Jesus in the flow of God's grand story. Uh, most of the letters of the New Testament were written to churches that had just been started, and these were the first churches. And in most of the letters of the New Testament, the, the major set of teachings and warnings and exhortations is to watch out for bad teaching in the church, not even necessarily things coming that are overtly hostile to this growing movement called the way or as Christianity is growing in the first century. Uh, but it's a warning against messaging inside the church about the true gospel or understanding truly who Jesus is and what he's done. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk through and I'm using Natasha Crane's little piece as sort of a outline, but it's going to be, you know, probably mainly my own thoughts. We're, we're, we're saying the same things, but, uh, it's mainly going to be, uh, you know, kind of my own thoughts and developing here. And it's good to have your own thoughts developed so you can be prepared. So the first thing that is problematic with uh, the He Gets Us campaign is that there's truly across all of the uh, commercials. Let me just pause and say it's always good to get a look behind the curtain at the the, the people and the processes uh, in this production or in all productions. Any any public expression or declaration that has important significance. Uh, you should be able to look behind the curtain, say example at the website, uh, he gets us and look at the, at the agenda and everybody has an agenda. Look at the agenda, uh, that the, he gets us campaign, uh, has adopted what they want to accomplish, what, what they're trying to achieve, uh, how they're marketing and who they're marketing to. And so I encourage you to look, uh, again, remember the Wizard of Oz? Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Uh, you probably don't remember it, uh, especially as we, we age out. I just encourage you to look at the the about uh, uh, section of the He Gets Us website and see see what they're trying to accomplish. And then you can have a better handle on discerning, distilling uh, what is going on in their actual messaging. So, uh, the, again, the first point of problem and uh, really dis-ease for me, meaning I'm, I'm distressed that these messages are, messages are going out without context, is that across all of the messages that are, that are broadcast to the public, there's never a real clear statement of Jesus' identity. There's never an, an understanding that's allowed us in bullet point form, in short expression, about who Jesus really is. Uh, Peter said, you are the Christ, the one who has been promised to us from long ago, who is going to offer us freedom from our sin and growth towards more and more freedom personally and an engagement with our culture so that we can offer true life through forgiveness of sin and redemption to the world. And then the, there's the, the proposition of we're expecting the kingdom now here in partial form to be fully reinstated uh, as uh, Jesus wraps up history. So the the statement he gets us uh, really implies, if you look behind the curtain and listen 
carefully to the messages that we just don't get him. And that's really the more important reality and necessity. Not necessarily that he gets us. That makes us the primary object that we're to be got, understood, and affirmed, and confirmed in whatever it is we say our, identi- our identity is so relevant to the current day. The, the main question that I'll have to answer is not whether or not Jesus gets me, but if I get him. And this, this is never clearly uh, stated from a historic, factual, evidentiary Christian gospel perspective. That's the first thing, that we really are not presented with Jesus' true identity. Uh, secondly, uh, in the same vein, Jesus is always presented as an example of the things that we're supposed to be interested in in current cultural flashpoints. He's an example and not a savior. When Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, he is proclaiming Jesus as the answer to the, the second essential worldview question, what's wrong with this world? And what's wrong is sin. And what's wrong with the world is me. I don't have to look externally. I need someone to save me from myself as a sinner. Now, enslaved by bad ideas because of my sin nature and promoting bad ideas through my behavior. I prove I'm a sinner when I sin. And I don't need an example. I need a savior. Uh, The third problematic aspect of the He Gets Us campaign is the implication that historic Jesus followers have it all wrong, that he's not, he's not someone who demands repentance and obedience and, and a a desire to change. Uh, There's the, there's this popular notion in culture today, and it's been that way. This, there's nothing new under the sun. These things are just repackaged, but this, this, this one dimensional Jesus who's kind of squishy and warm and fuzzy and love, love, love and do what you want to do and come to my table. I accept everybody. I'm all inclusive. Well, it is true that he's all inclusive. Whoever, I mean, this is, this is biblical. Whoever will come, Jesus stands up in John chapter seven at at a feast at, at a huge table at an important time in Jerusalem's uh, festival life. And he says, whosoever will let him or her come. And I will, I will allow them to grow to a place and, and now have living water flowing through them. All are invited. And when you're invited and you accept, you're not left just as you are. You are really demanded to be trans. I mean, it's demanded of you that you submit to transformation for your own good. This is a transformational life in Christ. This is not an affirmation of the things that are taking me down. And so this this need for a savior that is the, 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 the answer to the second worldview question, what's wrong with this world? Jesus is the answer. That's the third worldview question. What or who can be done to solve the problems? Well, Jesus is the answer to the the most pressing problem in our world and that's sin. But there's none of those implications in the, he gets us campaign. All we see is a warm, squishy, affirming Jesus who invites everybody just as they are to his table, just, just to stay there with him. And I'm not speaking as someone who is above the need to change. Jesus has carved out of me by the power of his spirit and my desire to be willing over these past 30 years, things that are deadly to me and others around me. 
And if I'm not, if I'm not willing to be changed, then I don't understand who Jesus is. If I say I'm a Jesus follower and yet I remain in this death grip, then I haven't got a true understanding of Jesus as the Messiah, the son of the living God, you know, continuing to die by degrees ain't much of a life. And this campaign has nothing to say about the, the reality of Jesus's authority or, or judgment or sin or objective morality, mean we're all, meaning we're all responsible to an objective moral truth, uh, the authority of scripture, uh, so on and so on. It's, it's a worldview question. How do we see the world? And as Christians, uh, it's imperative for us to have a solid understanding of how the Bible clearly answers the four worldview questions. Where did I come from? My origins, what does it mean to be human and all the subs there, design, purpose, responsibility, am I under authority? And then the second question, what's wrong with the world? The third question, what can be done to resolve the problems? And then the final question, where is this all going? Where, what are the destinations in this story? So all these are connected. My, my next point of contention uh, with the He Gets Us campaign is Jesus pre is presented as a contemporary social justice warrior. See, the social justice movement in Christianity that's progressive, uh, the, the, the answer to the second worldview question, what's wrong with this world, is oppression and a lack of justice. Well, all those things are true, but they're, they're, they need to be sitting on the foundation of sin, which we all have in common. And so the messaging is that Jesus is the social justice warrior that is clearly on the side of the oppressed, and that's biblical. But what it lacks is a true understanding of our anthropology. And when Jesus is presented only as a horizontal for this world only, uh, this time only, uh, a liberation warrior, then we are missing the mark. All those, all those realities are presented to us as, as post facto, our, our submission to Jesus, and he changes us to be more and more just, more and more on the side of the oppressed, more and more on the side of those who are marginalized, but not for the benefit of, for example, uh, affirming all kinds of what's, what's known as oppressed classes now, uh, like people who want to choose their own identity who are enslaved by the bad ideas that I'm responsible to choose my sexuality. I'm, I'm responsible to choose my gender orientation, all these false constructs. When we present Jesus as someone who, who, who demands justice for people who insist on degrading counter biblical ideas about human flourishing, then we have misrepresented him grossly and the church is responsible and her leadership for very poor teaching uh, over the decades in the west on these issues and you know as, as a longtime pastor uh, i struggle with with the messaging that comes off the platforms and churches and it's no it's no wonder that now at this point in the devolution of historic christianity in the west that more and more pastors are presenting jesus as simply this social justice warrior with this critical theory mood which violates completely the understanding of what it means to be human. Everybody has at least two things in common. 
There's not, there's not the first sort of there's an oppressed and there's an oppressor. Those aren't two categories of what it means to be human. We're all subsumed initially under two categories. One, we're all made in the image of God. That's the first category. And two, because of the fall, that's, that's the answer to the second worldview question. What's wrong with this world? We are all in Adam, meaning we are all sinners. So we're at the same time oppressors and being oppressed by other people. Is there a place to promote justice? That's absolutely biblical. But the first sort is to recognize the same boat we're all in as image bearers and sinners in Adam. And then the third category is possible for all of us. We can be in Christ and, and receive uh, you know, the new creation, be, be remade as humans. But when Jesus is presented way above the foundational understanding of what it means to be human, and, and merely in these false constructs of Jesus is here to, to alleviate the oppression, the oppression of, of people who want to choose their own sexuality and are therefore the victims. Uh, and again, I don't know if this, you know, I may be canceled, you know, Captain Buzzkill canceled. I probably don't have a large enough following to be canceled, uh, but it, it's, you know, possible that I could be. And you may cancel me after this. And I think that that's, that, that's a tragedy especially if you're someone interested in accessing truth that's objective, especially about who Jesus is. So when Jesus is presented as a social justice warrior, uh, we are miscasting him in his role, if that's his primary role. So again, this is just a repetition. Uh, the, so the, the, he gets us campaign basically in each one of his, each one of its messages answers the second worldview question of what's wrong with this world as oppression. And Jesus now solves or offers salvation because he gets us, he saves us from this oppression and calls us just like he did to activism, hashtag activism, uh, liberation. And there's a whole movement from, from history past called liberation theology. Uh, and again, all of these ideas have biblical roots but they are now cast in a, in a stew that makes non-biblical tenets the primary expressions. Uh, that, that, that's what's so compelling about lies is they have just a little bit of truth, but they're wrapped in a false set of ideas about who Jesus is and what life with him and in him should look like. Uh, I think finally, uh, this may be, you know, this is sort of a summary but messaging, ultimately, the, the summary of this messaging in the He Gets Us campaign is that first to non-Christians, it's not about salvation, it's about inspiration, motivating you towards social justice activism, just like Jesus was a social justice warrior. And this, this, this leads people who may be more interested in in knowing about Jesus than ever before, taking their first steps, it leads them down a path that they'll have to then be brought back to a neutral center line to be able to truly understand Jesus as the Messiah, the son of the living God. So for non-believers, uh, it, it, it motivates. It, it's like, it's like a motivational speaker. It's like a, it's like a, a Tony Robbins of, of, of the Jesus movement where it's all about inspiration of the human creature towards activism. And then, unfortunately, church, the message to ill-equipped Christians, uh, which is the majority of Christians, according to the current worldview survey, uh, 
is that you need to deconstruct your faith and you need to understand truly who Jesus is, what he's done, what he continues to provide as an example and how you should follow through activism. So, uh, I just couldn't wait to get up. This is the earliest I've ever done the podcast. I just couldn't wait to be a buzzkill. Uh, but this is, this is a, a very sober reminder of the need to stay vigilant. Vigilant. See, that's an early talk. Vigilant, uh, vigilante, vigilant. There you go. And sometimes I just feel like, um, you know, kind of clubbing the sheep a little bit. I hope it doesn't, I hope it doesn't come across that way. My concern is for your spiritual well-being. And there are always ideas at work within the church and ideas about the church from the outside and especially about Jesus's identity that can take you from center point to places you never thought you'd be uh, in regards to your faith. Remember, the most important question you'll ever answer, and this is for people who aren't believers and people who are, is who is Jesus really and what is my response to him? In Philippians chapter 2, Paul recites a text from the Old Testament saying that every knee will bow and every tongue confess. In Philippians chapter 2, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. And then all the locations where knees are able to bow, uh, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And the implication is not a worship posture necessarily and those of us who are christ followers you know need to hit our knees physically and symbolically often but it's also the recognition by folks who may have been led astray and grabbed a wrong idea of jesus and let that take root that there will be a sad day and a reckoning where they will also be forced to bow their knee uh, in shame and in pain and maybe wonder why they were given these bad ideas from leaders who were supposed to be their, their spiritual guides about who Jesus is. Remember, the beautiful thing is that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And the tragic thing at the same time is that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that will still be the glory of the Father. Because God's glory is, is proven and magnified in truth. And the truth is that Jesus is Lord. We may like to say and feel like we're the center of attention that he gets us. But the real question is, do we get him? For the Pinocchio Project, this is Captain Buzzkill signing off. Thanks so much for being with us on the Pinocchio Project today. If this podcast has value for you, please subscribe or follow. Give us a five-star rating and share. If you have an everyday idea you'd like to submit for us to examine, simply email us at pinocchioprojectpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at pinocchiopod, or you can hit the links in the show notes below. Thanks again for listening, and remember, your everyday ideas have significant consequences.